Welcome to the Empowered Spirit Show. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. I'll explore the connection to the human spirit in a way that helps to navigate your life, including crisis. I am passionate about helping you to open up to your intuition and the metaphysical world of spirit to find your confidence and your own inner guidance. Take a pause, be inspired, learn ways to show up focused, centered, and more dynamic in your everyday life. Welcome back to the Empowered Spirit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me today. This episode is being brought to you by Forecast Salon, located in Homewood, Alabama. Forecast is a hair salon on a mission to shape a movement in the beauty industry, focusing on education, fashion, and creativity. Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests with the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online with their online store at ForecastSalon.com. And check out their latest and stylish innovation at Club Forecast Salon on Instagram. As this podcast goes to air, we're moving into the last new moon of this year. It's in Sagittarius and is pointing you to make big new choices in your life. Sag energy is fire, and this new moon also has some Mars energy behind it, pushing you to take that new step forward. This energy helps you feel that your dreams are possible so that you can attract the energy you need to manifest them. It's time to let go of resistance, own your dreams, co-create with God, Spirit, the Creator. This new moon falls on December 12th, a power number in numerology. 1212 is often seen as one of the most powerful and energetic days of the year. The number 12 represents completion and wholeness. It signifies when an energy has completed itself. The number 12 has been significant throughout time, 12 months in a year, 12 zodiac signs. The angel number 1212 that we often see on the clocks is thought to represent prosperity, contentment, and joy. This is a day to notice your accomplishments and how you can move your life forward with this confidence. As you reflect on the road you have traveled in the last 12 months, notice where you have been, what you have learned, and how you have evolved through your soul. What are the messages of your soul? How can you best work with this energy right now? Ready for some guidance? My Soul Work Online Intuitive Path Program can help you with this. Registration is now open. In this program, I will guide you through the Akashic Realm, showing you ways to connect to your records, your guides, uncover past lives that keep you stuck in these wounds. All you need is some intuitive understanding. And if you have other spiritual tools like Reiki, angel work, mediumship, This class is for you. We will be learning how to access all the tools in this higher dimension. The course begins in January, but as an early enrollment bonus, I'll be offering a master class in intuitive development on December 13th to prepare you for the class and build your confidence. Join now and get the bonuses and teachings that are already available in the program. Not sure if this is for you or how I teach, I'll be offering a master class again on connecting with your guides, angels, and higher self on Sunday, December 10th at 10 a.m. We'll focus a little bit more this time on your angel guides. Links for all of this will be in the show notes. In today's episode, I have the great fortune of speaking with New York Times bestselling author, Neil Donald Wash. Many of you may know his work, Conversations with God, which was published in 1995 and became a publishing phenomena, staying on the New York Times bestselling list for 134 weeks. 
He now has a new book out, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. What a delightful man, humorous, charming, and full of inspiration. We talk about taking religion out of the equation, the pure love that God is, not transactional, the fear that is often associated with God through religion, how anyone can talk to God, why we even want to talk to God, how this connection can help release loneliness, tools that can help you have conversations, not only with, but also about God and the experiences that have occurred through this connection. I'm even sharing my experience that occurred just from reading the book. Yes, I do get a little vulnerable. But before we move into the interview, let's take a moment to pause, breathe, and set an intention for where you are right now. So wherever you are, if you can, close your eyes. Taking a nice deep inhale, breathing up the body. And exhale, breathing all the way back down, slowing down. Inhale, expanding the breath up the body. And as you exhale, call all your energy into you. Call it in, grounding. Inhale, breathing up the body. Exhale, calling in your spirit. Feel the spiritual body aligning right on top of the physical body. Aligning. Centering. Taking another deep inhale, breathing up the body. And as you exhale, dropping right into the deepest part of your heart. Right in the deepest part, feel that connection. Your spirit, the greater spirit, God, creator. Know that you are known, know that you are loved. Feeling all this energy coming in around you, guiding you. Taking a moment as we call in the masters, the teachers, the archangels for joy and love, the crystal beings for magnification and amusement calling in your own spirit guides, taking a moment and noticing where you are on this great wheel of life. Here I am, we find ourselves in this last part of the late fall season, facing in the direction of the west where the sun sets each and every day. We notice our struggles. We notice the transitions in life. We offer gratitude for all the many lessons that have come forward this year calling into the west, to the north, the east, and the south, above you, below you, right into that deepest part of your heart, setting an intention for your path, for this new moon coming in. See it, hear it, feel it, know it, and allow the elevated emotions of how you want to feel to radiate out from your heart all around you, setting that energy. Taking another deep inhale, 
and exhale all the way down, grounding, feeling the power of your third chakra, opening your heart, feeling the focusing of your third eye. And as you're ready, blinking the eyes back open, coming back. So my guest today, Neil Donald Walsh, is the author of 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life. His titles include nine entries in the Conversations with God series, seven of which made the New York Times bestselling list. Book one remained on that list, like I said, for 134 weeks. His work has been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. So let us welcome Neil Donald Walsh to the show. Welcome, Neil. Thank you. It's lovely to be here with you. How may I serve the moment? By having this amazing conversation. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you want it in English. We'll take it in English this okay. time around. Although we do have listeners all around the world, but we'll take it in English this time let me, around. Let me see if this works out for God. God, she wants it in English. All right, okay. She says it's okay. Let's okay. do it in English. Well, first and foremost, I love the she. Thank yeah, you. I, I was I was warned about that. Yeah. Not very often do you hear that, and I have to sometimes stop myself too. And change that. When we talk about angels and guardians and spirit guides and God, it's like he, no, she, no, whatever. It really is a vibration though, right? Isn't it funny? It is. it is. And I was told to be serious for just a moment because I've got a weird sense of humor, which you're about to find out. But to be serious for just a moment, uh, that's one of the earliest messages that I received in my conversations with God. Don't imagine that God has a gender or a particular race, or a particular nationality, or any particular characteristic that you can call only yours and nobody else's. So allow yourself to reconfigure your whole idea of who and what God is, and stop referring to God in only particular ways that serve your personal agenda. So I, I did that, and, and I, I began to really experience God as a feminine energy, as a masculine energy, as um, you know, an energy that doesn't have any gender at all, as simply an energetic expression that I call pure love. I think that God is pure love. And you know what's funny about that, Terry? When I say something like that in front of a live audience at a lecture and so forth, somebody in the back of the room will inevitably stand up Usually it's a guy who says, oh, Neil, Neil, Neil. If I've been listening to you for 20 minutes for you to tell me that the great revelation from the guy who had conversations with God, 
is that God is love. Everybody knows that God is love. Even the religions who have different doctrines and dogmas all agree that God is love. Is that your big idea? And I have to say to them, relax. I didn't say that God is love. I said God is pure love. Now my friend in the back of the room will say, okay, what's the difference? And I have to explain. Difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and commands nothing in return. We can't even love the person on the pillow next to us that way. Much less people we don't even know, much less God. Much less can we imagine a God who loves us in that way. So we have bought into, Terry, I didn't mean to launch onto a two-hour nonstop uninterrupted lecture, but I just wanted to say to you that we, have, we, meaning most of the human race, we've bought into the idea of a God who's transactional, that God's love is transactional. I love you if you give me what I need, and I'll give you what you need. You fail to give me what I need, not only will I fail to give you what you need, I'll actually send you to hell. You know what I was told when I was nine years old? What's that? I was raised in a Catholic school. I'm not, I'm not a Catholic basher. I don't want anyone to, to hear me as bashing Catholics. It's a true, true story from my third grade. The, the priest would come into our third grade class and teach us catechism, the doctrines and the dogmas of the Catholic Church. And he's, this particular Wednesday, he's talking about the difference between mortal sin and venial sin. And I, I raised my little nine-year-old hand and said, Father, can you give me an example of mortal sin? Mortal sin is a sin that God will not forgive. If you die with that sin on your soul, now you can go to confession, and a priest can confess, can give you absolution if you confess that sin. But if you don't, if you happen to you know, die on a Monday, con confessions were only once a week on Saturdays. If you didn't quite make it to Saturday, and you get hit by a car in a terrible accident or whatever, and you happen to die with that sin on your soul, you're going to hell. This is what my nine-year-old body is and mind is being told by the priest. So I asked him, can you give me an example of a, of a mortal sin? He said, sure. Missing Mass on Sunday. Honestly. And I said to the priest, in my nine-year-old naivete, Father, if I miss church, one Sunday in my life? He said, well, if you have a good excuse, if you're caring for a sick parent or you're an adult and you have to work, but if you just went off to play golf or something and didn't bother going to mass, yeah, that's a mortal sin. You go straight to hell. So my mind at nine years old is trying to imagine a God who would send me to everlasting damnation because I chose to miss mass one Sunday of my life. And of course, Terry, that would be the week that I did miss Mass that Sunday because there was the the, the, the childhood playground World Series and we were, I, I played right field for our little softball team and the game was that Sunday morning. So they said, Neil, we've we got to have you on the team. You're, you're our right fielder. We, we need you. I thought, well, I can miss Mass one week. It's no big deal. Little did I know. Do you think I was racing to the confessional after the <laughs> priest tells me that this is a mortal <laughs> sin? It's you know, and I'm 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 on my hands and on my knees praying and saying to the to the priest in the confessional, 
I, I miss mass to go play baseball. Will God please forgive me? All I can think of is this 43-year-old guy, got to be on the other side of the screen, you know, in the confessional, got to be thinking, this poor kid. He's terrorized by God. But, you know, I guess the Catholics had to figure out some way to keep people in the pews. And if love of God doesn't work, then how about fear of God? So, and I have to say that the Catholic Church is not the only religion that uses fear of God as a motivator with regard to certain behaviors that humanity is told that God requires. Not that God desires, but that God requires. So desires have turned into requirements. If you don't wear certain clothing, you can get you know, arrested by the morals police and sent to jail. Uh, if you belong to a certain religion, which shall go unnamed, for fear that someone will say, I'm bashing that religion. But, you know, the morals police will get you. If you eat certain foods, certain foods that are not kosher, they're not supposed to eat. If you belong to another religion, then you've broken one of the 613 commandments that are supposed to be honored by people of an, another religion, which I will not name, because people will say, I'm bashing that religion. But all of our religions have got this whole long list of things we're supposed to do and or not do, you know, or God will punish us. So we believe in a judging, condemning, and punishing God. Now, you know, Terry, that wouldn't be so bad. I mean, so what? What's the big deal? Except that our religions teach us to imitate divine behavior. We're supposed to do our best to act with each other the way God acts with us. And so we've used God's action toward us as our justification to act in the same way with others. So therefore, we are judgmental, condemning, and punishing. And if, I mean, if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us. Why, why should we behave just the way God behaves with us? Why shouldn't we behave that way toward others, including even the person that we're living with? even the person that we call our life partner. Oh, it's a transactional love. you got to give me what I need. If you give me what I need, I'll keep loving you. But if you don't give me what I need, we're out of here. The game is over. So we've decided that transactional love is what love is truly all about. It's a trade deal. Like nations have trade deals with other nations. How sad for the human race. How incredibly sad. I agree. Okay, that's my little 14 and a half minute lecture. Yeah, well, there was so much that you said to that. And I told you before we started, I was raised in the South, Jewish in the South, very sheltered, born in the 50s. You couldn't talk about it. Don't tell anybody about it. And so I grew up having a fear of my own religion. I didn't understand. I didn't understand at all. Why was I so different? Yeah. So I grew up with a lot of anti-Semitism back here in the South. And I left. I went off, found myself in New York and studied spirituality. I couldn't deal with the whole idea of religion. And just now really coming around and reading your book yesterday, I really had a whole nother different perspective. And I am very grateful for that. I really am. Even today, walking around, I was just kind of preparing and just thinking like, okay, I know I, I teach about, you know, spirit and creator and universe. It's all the same. 
It's all the same. It's like that same vibration of energy that we can always tap in that is always around us. And I love that concept. I love that idea. I have not been able to really embrace being able to say God until just reading this book. Oh, gosh. I'm glad that if it has served you at that level, that makes me feel very happy to know that. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah. And I love the way that you bring it out in the book. Like, we're not talking religion. We're not even talking spirituality. Like, science is actually proving this, right? And I love the way you brought that out. And I love the way that you offered us, let's talk about it. Let's have conversations about it. Yes. Yeah. And I hope that people do. And in the book, God Talk, I list six steps that could assist people in moving toward their own experience of conversations with God. So that's the reason I wrote the book, actually. Yeah, I love that. I love the six steps. It made it very easy to understand the possibility, the worthiness. That's a really important one, because I think in the old way of thinking about it and all that fear that took away our worthiness right there. Yes. Right? It did. It took away our willingness as well. Our willingness as well to receive, to receive those messages. Who, me? Talk to God. Who, me? Receive messages. Yes. Yeah, because if we ever announce it you know, out loud, we'll be called a blasphemer or a heretic or, or you know, an apostate. It's an ecclesiastical, most religions tell us it's an ecclesiastical sin to actually declare that you're receiving messages directly mm-hmm. from God. I mean, it's okay if you're the Pope, or maybe the, the, the chief ulama, or the head rabbi. I mean, somebody who's got some credential, fair enough, but not not a talk show host. Come on. Of all people. Right? Yeah. So very important. And that wakefulness, it is time. It is time. It is time to wake up and really recognize the possibilities that are out there. I so agree. Right? The acceptance, and I love the idea that you even mentioned, like, curb your enthusiasm. I hear this all the time. Oh, I said, did this. Oh, I saw this. It must be a sign. It must be this to where every single thing you do is a sign. Wait a minute. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down a little bit and just notice. Notice what you notice, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And even your ideas of, like, why even talk to God? Yeah. So that we can end our loneliness. Talk to. Yeah. I thought about that a lot. I thought about that a lot yesterday because my children left. They're on the West Coast. I'm down here by myself now. My parents are now passed, and I can feel lonely. And so I did keep coming back to that concept. But wait a minute. Let me come back to the source of my own self. Let me come back to God. Let me come back to that. And let me kind of temper what I'm feeling now and turn it around and like be like like so grateful that I have children that love me that want to come see me for a week, right? Instead of, oh, I miss them and now they're gone. Open up to that idea that it is all around us. It's all present. It is. It's been my experience for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think I need to work on that a little bit. I'll be honest. I'll be vulnerable. I think I do. But I think it gives me a way to come about it. I really do. Yeah. You talk about creativity, you talk about imagination, you talk about even the idea of sentience, being in the idea of feeling and present to the energy and vibration of what we're in. That's that's what I call wakefulness, to be just awake to what is going on, to the feeling of, you know, everything. You know, we've all had the experience, We we just don't pay attention to it until we do. Most of us have gone into a restaurant, for instance, at least one in, once in our life when we say, 
we say to the person we're with, no, no, this doesn't feel like the place. Let's, let's not let's not have dinner here. We turn around and walk back out. And we don't we can't even uh, you know explain why it didn't feel. We just didn't feel right to, to be in that particular place. So when we're that aware of all of the incoming energies at every level, not just when we're going out to dinner or choosing uh, a life partner or, you know, but with regard to all of life, then we start receiving the information that the universe is constantly sending us about life. So yes, you're right. It's about wakefulness. And then it's about acceptance. That is, we don't reject what we are receiving and, and write it off as a figment, you know, just a figment of our imagination. Gosh, I'm running out of battery here as well. Look at that. I'm running, I've got like 20% of battery left. You better hurry up because we're going to be, when I, when I disappear, <laughs> I'm gone forever because apparently I don't have any power to my computer. There you go. I love it. I love it. I love your, your humor too. Thank you. Well, you know, in the book, you did pose a question, and I'll have to share my story, because in your book, you share many stories. There are many other contributing stories to it and your comments about that, which I really love, just helping us to view so many different aspects. But you did pose a question for us to, you know, take a moment, pause, like, what what conversation do you want to have with God? And so I did have to think about that yesterday, like, okay, let me stop for a moment. Let me think about the conversation I want to have. And I really couldn't at first. And so, you know, I did your little like, okay, stop thinking, stop meditating, just and there was the question. There was the conversation I wanted to have. And I'm going to kind of like be vulnerable here and tell you what it was about. It was about like, okay, I am by myself. I'm single. Am I going to be God? Am I always going to be single now the rest of my life? Am I going to have a partner? You know, I don't really know. And patience, right? And I promise you not, I have been on the apps of dating and no comments, nobody hitting on me, nobody, nothing. And sure enough, was this beautiful conversation that came forward with a person through the internet. But it was like all I'm, I'm heating up right now telling the conversation, but it was just like this whole thing of like, okay, and I could have brushed it off, right? Oh, I made it up, but it happened. And there was this beautiful moment of having that idea come forward and listening to what your book was telling me and listening to what God was saying, just patience. And then all of a sudden, like I'm chatting with this person, you know, I don't know. No, I'm not putting any what ifs on it. But there was a moment there that I did have. It was a beautiful moment for me. And that's how life works. All we have to do is pay attention. It is. Pay attention. Yeah. So your book does cover many of these topics that we have just mentioned. It is fun to read all the different stories that people share from sickness to health to finding their power, all of it. I really do love the book. I love the sacred stories. I love the publishing company. I think they're awesome. I've enjoyed many of the authors on the show as well. Yeah. What is your hopes for the book? I hope that as many people uh, who really could benefit from it will find their way to it. You know, I'm, I'm not here trying to sell another another book. To be honest with you, I know it sounds a bit, you know, a little bit braggadocio to say, but after you've sold 15 million books, you're not looking to sell another 250. So I'm not here trying to sell the book. But my hope for the book is that if someone genuinely at the soul level, might benefit from seeing the information between the covers of that book, which the publisher was kind enough to put out. Uh, by golly, I hope that they can find their way, that they're drawn to the book. Who knows? Maybe just from watching this program here today, they may say, you know, I'm going to go out and grab, grab a copy of that book. And I hope that they find 
their way to the material and that the material serves them. And that we have conversations like you pose in the book. Talk about it more. Yeah. Yeah. Conversations about God, not just conversations with God. Yeah. Conversations about God. Yeah. Being able to talk about it. Yeah. And I know, like I mentioned, like that was not something we were allowed to do. It wasn't talked about. But I do think it is important. Yeah. You're not, not supposed to talk about religion or politics in polite company. Right. Kind of like, why not? Those are the two biggest things that's going on in the world. Are you kidding me? So yeah. so we got to find a way to talk about it in polite company. Because, because can we talk about God and politics politely? It would be nice if we found a way. It would be. And that would be the lesson that I hope that the book will also bring home to people. Let's find a way to talk about life's most important topics and see if we can't disagree agreeably. Yeah. Can I say amen? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You it's been a pleasure. I'm very grateful for having this time with you to your spirit. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Bye for now. Bye for now. Yes, this big idea is not religious dogma, wishful thinking, or even spiritual metaphor. Science has placed it in a new category. Science is now telling us that we are each made of the stuff of which everything is made. We are each individuated manifestations of the primal force, the undifferentiated energy, the essential essence from which all of life emerges and which all of life expresses. We are each divine. As Neil says, we are being asked to end the illusion of separation and to embrace and share the truth that we are all one and that each of us is made in the image and likeness of God. And the wonder of this one to change everything that we can. It's time for a civil rights movement for the soul, freeing humanity at last from the oppression of its beliefs. I highly recommend this book. It's published by Sacred Stories Publishing, and you can find it on their website or on Neil Donald Walsh's website or wherever your favorite books are sold. Links will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Happy holidays. This is your host, Harry Ann Hyman, to your spirit. Namaste. My next masterclass is coming up on Sunday, December 10th. I'll be offering this class about guides, healing guides, higher self, and a special emphasis this time on our angel guides. The link to register will be in the show notes. Come join us.